0: today on the last looks podcast i'm speaking with makeup designer carol rashid carol chats about coming up in the industry in orlando florida and atlanta georgia we discuss the importance of professional ethics in the workplace and why she started her own makeup training academy Welcome to the Last Looks Podcast, Carol. Hi,
1: thank you. (laughs) So good having you here. It's good to be here, Jamie Lee. Thank you so much for the invite. I'm excited about it. Awesome. Now,
0: I would like you to finish this sentence for me, okay? Okay. Once upon a time, there was a child named Carol, and when she grew up, she wanted to be... Makeup artist. You did? (laughs) No, not really. (laughs) (laughs)
1: I'm like, little five-year-old Carol wanted to be a makeup artist? That's amazing. I mean, oh, it happens. Oh, no, but... no, I don't think I ever thought about it, actually, until I was a teenager. And that's the first thing that popped well, into? Well, actually, the thing that popped into my mind was working in hair, doing hair for the entertainment business is what popped in my mind. And okay. it actually popped in my mind probably when I was in my early 20s. I was like, boy, it would be great to work in entertainment doing hair. I didn't think anything I didn't know there was such a job as a makeup artist
0: right it's funny what you just don't really what doesn't pop into your mind isn't it like right. you just don't think
1: that it's a job exactly you know so <laughs> here I thought here I thought oh I can do somebody's hair in the entertainment business that's what my thoughts were like I said never considered makeup
0: okay so how does this journey begin then to Doing well makeup. you know
1: it's so interesting because you know as I as I look back I think about my first, real job that I had working in a department store I worked for this department store that was called Moss Brothers and I worked in the clothing department there you know mm-hmm. I think I was maybe 18 17 worked in the clothing department I had a job opening for the makeup department right and the only reason I wanted to go work in the makeup department is because you got commission when you sold product I didn't know anything about makeup. Had no idea it could ever Mm -hmm. lead into anything, to be honest with you.
0: That's awesome. So you made that move. You ended up working at the makeup counter? Yeah, I ended up
1: working at the makeup counter, working for Fashion Fair Cosmetics, which was a black-owned company. And Mm -hmm. I started doing makeup behind the counter and really was kind of quite good at it. Uh, I became quite good at it because back then they used to train you every three months. You go, they, you know, teach you all the trends that were coming in and all the new colors. And, you know, it was great. And from that experience, that's really where I initially got the thirst for doing makeup. But even with that being said, I still had no idea that I could get a job eventually and have a career in doing makeup for the film and television industry. I went To hair school in my early 20s -hmm. after I, you know, had worked, I got married. I ended up going to school to get my cosmetology license. I did that, finished school, you know, got my license. And I don't know, something in my head one day said, you know, I want to work in the entertainment business doing hair. And that's really where the thought came about. I started out doing hair, Jamie, can you believe that? (laughs) Of course I can. (laughs)
0: I mean they kind of uh, to me they go hand in hand it's just you know it's a it's a whole Yeah lot. it's true. <laughs> yeah. So where were you based when you were thinking about the
1: entertainment? I was in a little town called Winter Haven Florida and then I graduated and went to Orlando which is really I went to Orlando because I landed a job at Disney World. Oh, cool. And so I landed a job at Disney World working in the hair and makeup department. This was my, you know, my doorway in my mind to Mm. get it into the entertainment industry. So Disney was the closest thing that had people that needed makeup and wigs and things of that nature. So I, I ended up interviewing for a job there and got hired. <laughs> That's <laughs> working, awesome. Working in the working in the wig department, you know, combing wigs and styling wigs for the entertainers that they had there, like all the characters that were there. They yeah. needed wigs and makeup.
0: So I guess your training just continued into the Disney World situation as well, didn't it? Because I mean, you have to recreate characters that you know all the kids and everyone know from
1: on screen absolutely and I and again still even working at Disney I had no idea that there was an opportunity to work in the film and television industry but you know I think sometimes things are just divinely ordered in my mind I wanted to work in the entertainment business well I decided to try and get myself in an environment that was kind of entertainment driven you know You know, the parades and things of that nature. And then that led into me doing makeup and hair for TV and film because I I happened to go work for Disney, you know, around the time that they were building the MGM studios. It had not opened yet, but they were building it. And because I had worked at that department store in the makeup Mm -hmm. area, I ended up getting an opportunity to work on some of those very early shows that Disney produced. I think I worked like a couple of days on the Mickey Mouse Club and they trained us. The people at Disney trained us to do, you know, makeup and hair for TV and film You know, so I after I got a taste of that and realized that there was opportunities to be Mm. able to do makeup artistry as well. That's what I really started, you know, leaning more towards. Although I, I started out my real career, I think in my first job that I got, my first movie that I worked on. I was working in the hair department and I ended up getting an opportunity to get in the union from working in the hair department from that project project was called Passenger 57 back in the, in the, I think it was in the nineties when we did that project. Um, And I was working as an additional under a hair artist at the time. His name was Clifford Booker. He brought Mm -hmm. me in because they needed somebody that could work on black hair. So that's how I really ended up working on my first feature film the first feature film that I worked on it was non-union and it turned into a union picture so it, so it oh, qualified cool. me to apply for the union
0: yeah I'm guessing the union so you could be working in the hair department but still get into the union and that covers both hair and well makeup?
1: basically for for 798 I'm in the 798 union which is the New York local and back then yeah they actually gave me the opportunity to do makeup or hair to make the choice awesome. at the time of course I I had a license to do hair. However, makeup was my love. So that's what I chose. That's what I tested for to get in the union. So back in those days, we used to have to test, you know, do a ball cap and, you know, do old aging and, and things of that nature. They no longer do that. But back then I had to do all that to prove that I could actually do makeup for the industry.
0: That's so cool. So were you still based in Orlando? At that I was point? still
1: based in Orlando. Actually, I worked in the Orlando market for about 15 years before moving to my current state, Atlanta. And of course, I've been here in Atlanta now for 14 years. So I, I've been kind of working around the industry for quite a while.
0: That's very cool. So I'm, I'm guessing, did you feel that that change like that shift into the union kind of opened up more doors for you oh god forward?
1: absolutely it opened it, it definitely opened up more doors because at the time the union used to be really strict like you could not work on union pictures if you were not in the union but you had to mm-hmm. be in the union to gain your days. It was just a tricky situation back then. Um, it's a lot easier to get into the union. At least seven nine eight It's still difficult. More difficult, I think, to get into seven zero six is easier. I've felt to, I feel to get into uh, seven nine eight. However, it did open up opportunities, but it was still very difficult. I mean, I think it was, you know, a time where you didn't really see a lot of Black people or minorities in the union, Mm -hmm. unfortunately. Uh, However, you know, I worked my way through it. Myself was myself and Selena Miller were were the two African-Americans in that area that was working and that were union, 798. Yeah. You know, so we would work here and there. And, you know, but it was tough. I mean, it forced me to have to open up a beauty salon. I opened up one salon because it was hard to make ends meet working as a makeup artist. I'll be real honest about it in the beginning.
0: Yeah, I guess too, in Orlando, uh, there's probably a limit to how much was being made there at the time. Well, at
1: the time there was a limit to it but it was it was being played up, you know, with MGM opening and then Universal, you know, opened mm. and, you know, and Nickelodeon came down and a lot of other network shows had started to film there. And so I was thinking and a lot of us were thinking that it was going to be considered the new Hollywood. And and that's what they were touting it as being, but it never just never happened. But it did open me up to be able to, I worked at Disney. I ended up leaving Disney. You know, like I said, I got that opportunity on Passenger 57. And then from that, I got an opportunity to go and head up the hair and makeup department for Nickelodeon Studios, who was moving into Universal at that time. I had worked with one of the then budding stars. His name was Mark Summers. I got an opportunity to work with Mark on a pilot and he you know spoke on my behalf. I went in and interviewed for the department head job for makeup and hair. At the time, you know at Nickelodeon, I was over the makeup department and the hair department. Um, so I got a great opportunity to do that early on in my career. And I learned a lot because the, the beauty of it is is that they brought in other people from New York and from different places for me to also mm. train with those people. So it was great. Oh, that's very cool.
0: I was going to ask how you, I mean, cause you would have got from Disney, like Disney world, you would have, you know, the training would have been great, but also limited, I would imagine because they have their set characters that they kind of do. Exactly. So before you got into the union and you had to do your test for ball capping and all that type of stuff like how
1: did you learn those well, skills well basically through educating myself I, I took classes I also um, ended up getting on another show that was called the Superboy which mm-hmm. I can't even remember what year that came out but I worked on that particular project for a whole season I think I was making $485 a week back then that was my check mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. working 12 10 12 14 hour days my check was a solid 485 dollars a week Rough. So, <laughs> and I listen I thought that was amazing that I was doing a great opportunity yeah. and I got a lot of hands-on training during that time you know I got an opportunity
0: and you loved what you yeah. were
1: doing so you know Makes all the difference, absolutely. So I I took that on. I worked on Superboy for six months. Back then, shows used to be really long, so I I worked on that show. You know, got a little bit more under my belt, and just continued on. I just never stopped working to learn, and you know, I kept trying to you know make connections and and you know just trying to grow my my craft. And back Mm. then, in the day, you know, we did even though on Superboy I did makeup. But I would also, you know, start to do, you know, commercials. You know, I started making connections with other people that were also had budding careers like producers and production managers and people like that. And we all kind of started out together. You know, so when they started doing commercials, you know, they would hire me to come in and do the hair and makeup for the commercials. So it's, it was just a continuation of learning and growing and working.
0: That's awesome. So, I mean, it sounds like you kind of like hitting jobs
1: reasonably quickly. I think I did get jobs quickly. But, I, you know, I, I, as I think about it, I got jobs quickly, but I may get a job and work for two months and then not work for four months. You know, so it was very mm, yeah. difficult to to sustain myself. You know, at the time I had a young kid, you know, I had just um, recently gotten divorced, you know, so all these things were contributing factors in me having to figure out how I was going to survive. Struggles. So <laughs> So with that being said, I was like, okay, I have a license over here to do hair. I may as well open up a business doing hair and then I can do that. I can make my own hours and then go do commercials when I need to do commercials. So I always had a plan, you know, that I kind of follow in order for my, you know, in order for me to be able to survive, but it was not easy. Let me tell you the first few years of me being an independent artist, it was difficult, Mm. you know, but like I said, I would pick up jobs here and there and I had a friend of mine's, God rest her soul now, her name is Linda Jean Tucker. She was a hairstylist. And she actually helped me get on a show, This show called Thunder in Paradise. It was with Hulk Hogan. I ended up getting on that project after I opened up the Carol's Barber and Beauty Salon. So I would go yeah. work on the show during the week. And then on the weekend, I would go to my salon just to keep it moving. Because like I said, I would work and then, you know, I work a month here and then have two months off or not by my design, mm. but I had to have something as yeah. a backup.
0: This conversation is really reminding me. I feel like I had a similar experience working in New Zealand, like coming up in New Zealand, because it's not super busy. Mm. You know, the TV and film work comes in Uh waves. So luckily I did have, You know, hairdressing to fall back on Mm -hmm. in salons or barbershops or whoever would kind of take me when I was out of film work Mm -hmm. but I always used to say (laughs) that like I'd finish a film job I'd go work part-time casually at barbershop and it would get to three months maybe four months and it would I would be pretty positive yep something's going to turn up something's (laughs) going to happen it's going to happen something's going to start shooting and it wouldn't i wouldn't get that phone call until i was almost idiot, exactly. thinking it's never gonna happen again it's never gonna happen again and as soon as i got to that point the next day i feel like the phone would ring and it would be like oh hey we're starting prepping on this
1: you know whatever yeah. and i'd be like oh yeah. thank goodness that's that's how it was back in the days man it was hard yeah yeah It really was hard. You know, it was not an easy thing. People have it so much easier and they don't realize, you know, the way in which a lot of us had to come up working. It was a lot of work. Yeah. I mean, the
0: fact that people can just jump from job to job to job now is pretty amazing. Do
1: you think it's going to stay that way though? I don't know.
0: I'm just glad that I had that, that past experience to know that when I'm working, I got into a mindset of saving Absolutely. money. So when I was working and being paid well, I was putting stuff aside for those times that were quiet. And it, that kind of, yeah, that, that habit hasn't really broken. Mm-hmm. So I think it's a, it's a good, good thing to think Absolutely. about. Absolutely. <laughs> and that's what I tell,
1: let me tell you, that's what I tell when I train, you know, students, I always say that, mm. you know, when you work, Pay yourself first. Whenever you get a check, put away something, you know, save money until it hurts you. You're right. You know, mm. so I'm, I'm with the mindset like you, Jamie, where you have to save because it's been too many days where I didn't know if I was going to have money to pay my light bill. <laughs>
0: so. Yeah.
1: Early on in my career, you know, so I had to make a choice, you know, do I pay my light bill or my water bill, you know?
0: Yeah. So, advice given to you, so you're coming up at that time. Is there anything that anyone kind of, any of your mentors said to you that
1: has stuck with you? I don't, I'm not sure if one of my mentors said this to me, but I know that this was said to me and it kind of stuck with me and it has stuck with me throughout my career. And I know that I've shared this with other people that perhaps I've mentored is for them to never get too comfortable in their position. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I feel like I don't ever want to get comfortable working for myself or working for somebody else, because when you get comfortable, you let things slide by. And I, and I think that it's important not to get comfortable, to always stay focused on what you're doing and try to be better. Yeah. So that's one of the things that has stuck with me throughout my career. I don't ever get comfortable with people. I don't get comfortable with, you know, with situations. I don't get comfortable with my abilities. I always try to better myself. Right. That's awesome. Mm I love it. That's so true.
0: (laughs) That's true. It is so true. And,
1: and I remember telling I remember telling it someone that was working on my team many years ago on a show and I and I said to her I said listen don't don't ever let yourself get too comfortable. You know, sometimes I think in our business, you know, people can, you know, become very friendly and they, you know, and they think that they, you know, understand you and they're working for you or whatever and they think they, you know, can do certain things and it's like no. I you know, I'm still, you know, I'm still your boss. Or I'm still, you know, you're still working with somebody in relation is that I don't ever want to get so comfortable with someone, you know, that I forget to be completely a hundred percent respectful of them always in my position. Yeah, and just yeah, staying professional. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's the thing that I think was, that was some of the advice that was given to me. Don't ever get too comfortable in any situation.
0: Yeah, I think it, I think it, you can easily kind of slip into that just with the hours that we mm-hmm. do. And yeah, the close working quarters and, you know, the trailers and just being up in everybody's face all the time. I think you... You you need to remind yourself of that. Mm -hmm.
1: Absolutely.
0: Now, looking at your resume, you've done such a wide range of projects. What would have to be a couple of your
1: favourites, Carol? (sighs) A couple of my favourite projects over the years. You know, one project that I really enjoyed a lot was the Henrietta Lacks story. And I I, I think that I enjoyed that story so much because I I, I was not aware of it. I was not aware Mm -hmm. that Henrietta Lacks you know, led to a breakthrough that changed the face of medicine forever. Yeah, it's amazing. So I I think that that story really opened my eyes and and made me understand that this is why television and film is so in, so important and so interesting is that it gets an opportunity. And we, you know, yourself, myself, people that are working in the industry, we get an opportunity to help tell our size of the story through, through you know, our craft in regards mm-hmm. to things that are true stories, you know, that will live forever on, even after I'm gone. You know, you know what I'm saying? My grandkids get an opportunity to watch something like uh Henrietta Lack's movie, you know, that is a part of history that was, you know, a real story that happened. So that story in itself is really was very fascinating to me and it was very educational for me. I think it'll be educational for a lot of people that get an opportunity to see it. Yeah, I mean it's kind of mind blowing Mm -hmm. to to think about that, right? Uh, One of the other one of the other shows too that I did very early on in my career, it was the, it was one of the probably like maybe the third or fourth show that I did with a a studio audience. Uh, It was called Home Matters. And we Mm -hmm. shot with a live audience and I just had so much fun on that show. I I feel Mm -hmm. like it's something that really made me realize that I was so happy in the career path that I had chosen, you know, that I was, you know, going to work every day, getting an opportunity to paint faces, you know, on people that you, you know, you become close with people when you are working in their space, in their face space, as I like to say. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so that show, I I remember just have very fond memories of that. So those are the two shows that really stick out in my mind in regards to where I kind of felt like a lot of uh, satisfaction from my opportunity of of, of working and, you know, just being able to to work in that space.
0: Yeah, that's pretty cool. I've only ever done one. I just day played for one Uh day. On a sitcom and it was so eye-opening because I'd never seen like we don't make them in New Zealand so oh. I'd never seen the live audience come in for you know this and that and that just how it was shot was incredible to me I was just like wow this is like completely different yeah.
1: <laughs> it's amazing. That amazing though when you get an opportunity and to and to realize that you actually get paid for being there <laughs> So, <laughs> <a> yes, <laughs> that's always a bonus right to recognize that that is so interesting that's a great that's such a great question because you know I guess when I I, I never really think about the stuff that I work on to be honest with you mm-hmm. you know but in thinking about it you know you help me really really look back and think about it and think about why I loved Henrietta Lack story and why I love the, the show Home Matters is they had this lady on there, her name was Susan Powell. She was an ex um, American beauty queen. And I don't know, I just had a great relationship with her on that show. And I just, you know, I enjoyed it. We get an opportunity to do some fun stuff sometimes and work with some fun people, you know, that have big hearts. So that's always so great.
0: And I think when asked, like, what are some of your favorites, it can be for the reason can be, From anything, from what you've said to there, may be just one specific makeup that you really enjoyed doing, or one person that you thoroughly enjoyed working with, or it was the location, or the you know the story on of the script, or so it's you know we've got a a wide range of things. Yeah, it varies, right? (laughs) Yeah it's pretty cool. So Carol I want to talk a little bit about how you kind of approach things as a head of department when it comes to character development and design. Mm -hmm. So I don't know if there's a specific project that you'd want to reference to or just how you kind of start your job. Mm -hmm. So you've got the script and you're reading Mm -hmm. it and just I guess how you work out what you think might What direction you might go with your characters? Well,
1: I I tell you, that is a great question uh, with character, you know, development. And And I think I have to say that it really depends on the project in terms of how I approach it. If I'm doing, you know, a biopic or something of a likeness of someone, you know, that has lived before, I remember mm. doing the uh, the TLC movie. It was a biopic that we did about the group, the musical group TLC, which one of the members actually had passed by the time we did this particular movie. And two of the ladies yeah. from the group TLC actually served as executive producers on the project. You know, so of course, you know, when you're doing something of that nature where you're having to go back and look at and study and do your research and you know and understand mm-hmm. the nuances of a particular people, how they wore their hair, you know, how their makeup was worn, you know, what kind of nails did they have? Did they have any tattoos on their bodies? You know, all these things you have to really do your homework and your research so that you can get it right. Mm-hmm. You know, particularly if it's on somebody that has lived before or are still living. Yeah. You know, so that approach, you know, you go to the library, you, you know, in my case with the TLC movie, I even listened to, went back and listened to their music. I looked at all their album covers. I looked at, you know, I talked to the actual two remaining living partners that were in the group TLC. You know, it was just so much that went into it. I talked to the makeup artists, you know, that they had during the time that they were really popular. You know, she told me specifically, you know, what lips she used on them. You know, so there's a lot of research that goes into any of the work that we do.
0: Wow. You're so lucky to have had that. Just those. Yeah, I know. (laughs) That's awesome. That doesn't doesn't happen
1: often. You know, so like I was saying, each project is different, different in terms of the approach. But many times, of course, you know, we read the script. I I usually will break the script down, you know, and take out the characters, you know, who they are, their ages, what they have in in the script, what they're supposed to look like. If they give a description of them, I write all that Mm. stuff down and and really start going from there.
0: That's very cool. Is that something, is that an, an enjoyable part of what you do kind of getting to that point and then working with the cast members, costume, director?
1: I think the more fascinating part for me is actually, you know, kind of understanding what the character is and then also Mm. hearing from the perspective of the director, hearing from the perspective Mm. of the actor, hearing Mm. from the perspective Mm. of the designer, you know, and taking all those things and creating a character because I think that every single person, you know, that is going to attribute to what the final product is going to look like Mm. are the people that you want to be communicating with. So I always find that to be fascinating. I think that it really helps me really understand truly who the character is and what is expected of the character to be by, you know, involving the director and, and sometimes even the producer and, you know, the actor and the designer, you know, we all kind of work, you know, very closely together. I even talked to, you know, the DP many times to see how, you know, it's going to be lit. If it's going to be, you know, something that's a moody look or, you know, the lighting really can affect how things read. Uh, so all those yeah. things are, are really, really, you know, fascinating to me. It makes our work so interesting to me and makes it more dimensional.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. I, it also helps me I think sometimes with certain characters I might have a bit of a creative block with them I'm just like I just don't even know (laughs) um so having having just the tiny yeah just every now and again I, I think it's when there's just so many characters in something and it's just like and they have you know you're reading the script they just really don't give a description of what this the feel for this person is, and even after maybe meeting, it's not you know, it's not until those meetings start happening that you get that input, and it's just like, Oh, yeah, no, okay, this has kick started me, I know what direction we're yeah. going in now, but immediately it doesn't always, you know, I don't can't always visualize it first mm-hmm. pop, so I think having all that input from everybody else is, yeah have to have it. It makes
1: that. such a, it makes such a difference, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. it really does. So I, I'm always excited about that. I listen, Jamie, I hope that somebody can interview you on some of the work that you've done because your work, let me just tell you, I, I don't want to talk about the work that I've seen you do, but your work is, oh, work Lord. is so freaking incredible. It is. It's amazing. Thank you, Carol. No, that's very Oh, it's true. truth. <laughs> so you're gonna have to you're gonna have to interview your own self on the last look podcast <laughs> I figure if it, I've had
0: a few people offer to interview me and I'm just like, maybe when it's the last episode of the of the show last oh one ever God. can go out with me
1: <laughs> that, work, that work you have in those are amazing <laughs> that's awesome
0: hey so talking about like heading departments and in that kind of that position mm-hmm. what do you think are some of the skills that you really need to have to to kind of knock that out of the park to be a
1: successful head of department really well to be a successful head of the department i think coming in um uh, the department head should have their own great attitude you know this is something you know for myself i require from from my team and i always say that I want in my team what I have in myself. So, you know, the things that are important for me to have as a department head is number one, to have ethics, you know? It's, it's really something, you know, that I pride myself on is, is, is having ethics. Having the utmost professionalism, you know, towards my, you know, fellow artists, you know, towards the PA that's working you know, Mm -hmm. towards the AD, I I always maintain my professionalism. And so I I require that of myself and I look for that in my team as well. You know, coming to work every day with a great attitude has been Mm -hmm. something that I pride myself on. I I, I come in and I want to be happy. I want to feel good. Not to say that every day is going to be a great day because it's, that's just unrealistic. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, having a good attitude, you know, will prevail always, you know? So those are some of the things that I think as a department head, you know, it's important to have, it's important to also have great leadership skills. I mean, when you are running a department You know, you have to have a strong leadership skill Mm -hmm. in order to be able to effectively manage people, because ultimately that's what we're doing is managing. If you're a good department head, you know, you need to be able to also delegate. Like as a department head, Mm -hmm. I can't do everything. So I find people to come on my team that may know how to do things that I'm not so great at, you know, and I try to have everything represented in my team members that I feel that I need for that show, right? So I'm not a strong, strong special effects person, but guess what? (laughs) If I'm doing a show that has effects in it, I'm going to have somebody on my Mm -hmm. team that that's their thing. They can do that, you know? So it's it's understanding, being a department head and being in a leadership role, it really does require that you understand how to stack your project, you know, and what to look for in your team to be able to effectively manage and and run a good department. Absolutely. So you got all your bases covered. Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. You have all your bases covered in it. And if you don't have all your bases covered, you know, as a department head, you really need to be able to assess whatever the needs are, you know, for the department and Mm. for the production and make it happen, whatever it is.
0: Yeah, totally. I want to go back a couple of beats there and just kind of expand on this professionalism because mm. i don't <laughs> i don't want to sound like a total negative nancy but i don't understand what seems to this it seems to be happening i feel um a lack of yeah. coming into the industry i i mean personally i feel like i learned my professionalism through working in the salon mm-hmm and had a boss there that was just like okay this is how this Mm -hmm. works you you know you greet your client you you know just just being a polite human Mm -hmm. being and I guess it also comes into what you were saying before about not getting too comfortable maybe I just there's so many times I've just seen behavior that I'm like what are you doing right like this is a workplace Uh like no no that conversation mm -mm. right (laughs) or just behavior it's just like I don't I don't understand I I don't I don't know how I mean talking about it of course helps and through you know teaching and training and all that type of thing but I just It's just, it's interesting that people don't naturally, some people don't naturally kind of come into the workplace with that mindset.
1: Well, I think it's so interesting that you say that and you ask and kind of ponder on that question. I think so much of it has to do with home training, honestly. Mm. I I think that, you know, there are certain things that you learn as a youngster that, Mm. you know, in terms of how you, you know, present yourself, right? Um, in public mm. and with other people, you know, I think, you know, particularly speaking to the TV and film industry, I, I think what is happening, you know, in our industry at this time, you know, there's so, particularly here in Atlanta, which is where I'm based, there is mm. so much opportunity available in in this space. And I, and I hear it's happening all around the country. I don't think it's just happening in Atlanta, but I think that people are really getting, you know, to move up a lot quicker without Mm. having the formal training that is required to really make you completely excellent in your profession. Right. So, and I, and I have to remind people sometimes, I mean, even recently uh, I, I, you know, looked at how some people come to work dressed. they come, you know, to work with hot pants on, you know, if you can bend over Mm. and see your behind, uh, mm. your butt cheeks, that's not appropriate for work, <laughs> you know, mm. uh, if you're wearing something so tight, you know, on your top part of your body to where everything is exposed, that is not looking professional. You know, you're wearing, mm. you know, shirts that, you know, your armpits are out and we can see hair underneath your arms. That's to me, that's not appropriate for some people. They're okay with it. You know, knowing what kind of conversations to have on set, Um, is another thing, you know, understanding, you know, protocol and, and really what your place is in regards to whatever your position is, all those things I think are getting lost. Um, Mm. and I think part of the reason that they're getting lost is because people have so much accessibility. And it's not that they're being required. I think when we look at production and when I look at production, say, uh, you know, specifically in this year now versus, I don't know, maybe 10, 15 years ago, there were just certain Mm -hmm. things that you couldn't do in work, you know, as a professional. So I, I think that production, number one, has gotten a lot looser in terms of what their requirements are for people. It's all now about the bottom dollar, about the bottom line, which is the dollar. And it's unfortunate. Mm. It really is. I think that as leaders in the industry, you know, you're a leader, I'm a leader in the industry. I think that we have to really try our best to educate people when they're on set. If we get an opportunity, it's very Mm. difficult sometimes to do that because when you're on set, you're in it. You know, you don't really have time Mm -hmm. to train people. So I always encourage people to educate themselves and and get educated from people that have done the things that you want to do. Not somebody that just started like you did two years ago, you know, Mm -hmm. get educated by real professionals that have worked in every level in the job. They've worked in background. They've worked out in the, out in the field. They've done commercials. They've done, you know, film, they've done TV. They, you know, they've worked in every capacity as a third, as a fourth, as a key you know and possibly as a department head if they're teaching classes so those Mm -hmm. things i think are really critical for people to understand right yeah so i hope that helps that was a long answer
0: (laughs) no no but it's good i I knew you'd have some insight into it (laughs) (laughs) you can tell because you yeah you conduct yourself in a professional manner and it's um I think these days it's, it's so much more noticeable because it's not everybody behaving like that. So when you see it, you notice it and you oh, appreciate it. Oh,
1: thank you Jamie. That's very <laughs> kind. I, I appreciate that so much. Well, I feel like it's important. I mean, I, I'm, we're working in an industry, you know, an industry that I've had a very blessed and successful career and I want to give back. And want other people that are coming behind me to have the same kind of success or even better success. And I think mm-hmm. that is definitely a way to work your way up to have longevity. Right. Yeah. Because I think at some point, if you are an ultimate person that's not professional, at some point your unprofessionalism is going to catch up with you. At some point. Yeah. Right. So I I think you know as people learn and as they grow, it's really important you know, to share how important it is to, to have ethics, to have integrity, and to mm. walk with professionalism and understand, you know, what you know, and, and what you don't know. And if, if I don't know how to do something, I'm the first person to say, you know what, I don't know how to do that. So let me figure it out. I'll get back yeah. to you with it. You know what I mean? So I'm not going to go in and, and do something that I, I clearly don't know anything about, you know, that's not really working in integrity, you know? So, yeah, I think that those things are becoming less and less. I don't know. I just feel like those things are, are missing sometimes, you know? Yeah. Right. right. I'm sure you've come across but- that working all over the country, right? Yeah.
0: I almost for a little while there I wondered if it was in areas where there is a lot of work where people don't have to feel like they have to shine Uh bright to get a Uh job because it's the work is just always available so say they're day playing and they come in and help you for the day and just are pretty lazy and you know kind of just do the minimal Uh amount of what they need to do and don't even do it super well but to them it maybe doesn't even matter because you can say oh I don't actually need you for the rest of the week now apologies Um, (laughs) they don't care because they're like yeah you know I've got somebody else calling me to work tomorrow so on something else so they just jump onto that and it's just uh, it's kind of heartbreaking to yeah and
1: I've seen that and I've I've experienced that Many times. And, you know, the the great thing about it, though, Jamie Lee, I think that, you know, when you run a department a certain way, whether that be a great way or whether it be Mm -hmm. an unprofessional way, I think that the people that come, you know, that are willing to come work on your team, they know that if they're coming to work on your team, they've got to at least act like they're being professional, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, and and sometimes, you, you know, you have the experience where people you know, pretend that they're being professional, but eventually who they really are is going to come out. And, you know, and people, I don't know, people come to work, they have different agendas, you know, they want to, build their Mm. platforms or they want to do whatever it is that they want to do. You know what I mean? I think that, Mm. you know, when you walk with a certain level of professionalism, you know, as a department head, I think that people sometimes know that when they come to work for you, they got to be on their best, you know, just like the people that they know, you know, as department heads that are, that are slackers, you know, they feel like they can come on that person's job and slack. You know, lead by example. (laughs) absolutely you know so it's unfortunate I'll be interested to know do you think do you feel that it's like that where there is a lot of work or have you seen it like that in places that the work is a little bit more competitive
0: coming from New Zealand and Australia where it's a bit more competitive I suppose because there's not as much work people really strive to to know their stuff and work Uh hard and be seen for doing good work. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in places where there is so much work, it's the first time I'd kind of seen that behavior. Wow. Yeah. So, and I'm not saying across Mm -hmm. the board, it's just, you know, every now and again, you're just like, what is your Mm -hmm. deal? But, you know, that's, it takes all all types to, you know, come together and get stuff done. But I just, it was interesting to me. I just kind of was wondering if it was... Mm I don't know maybe they just have a bad day that day or maybe they're just not they're kind of losing their passion for it yeah um, yeah it's like I, you know you know you don't you don't know really at the end of the day what it is yeah. but I guess I just thought maybe if there's a little more competition out there that people would kind of strive to produce better work and be a little bit more on it. Right.
1: Right. You know, that's yeah. so interesting though. That's a very, that's a, that's a very interesting topic because I, listen, I, I'm sure you've come across people in the industry. I know I certainly have, you know, that they, they may not be great at what they do but mm-hmm. they are great at promoting themselves right i think that's the the best thing to use they're great at promoting themselves so they can you know can go from job to job to job you have people that are like that that are they go from job to job to job you know not necessarily doing such a great job but just you know adding notches to their to their belt you you, you have folks that are in our industry that that work all the time like that, you know, because they know how to promote themselves and they're, they're mm-hmm. nice and they're easy to get, to get along. And, 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 and those people tend to work all the time. So it's just yeah. interesting just how our industry is and in the, and the direction in which it's going and hopefully people like yourself and myself and, you know, and people, you know, other people that are out there can really represent strongly, you know, in hopes that we can bring the level of excellence back to our industry particularly in the in the makeup and and hair sector i think is a lot of people have it but then some people don't but i think that you know the more of us that continue to fight to to be better to be stronger to stay and remain professional to be ethical to to walk with integrity i think that those things will weigh out the negative.
0: I love it. <laughs> that's the hope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be awesome. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> so going, like expanding on that and just knowing that in our line of work, we're always learning stuff. Oh God, yeah. What is something new that you have learned recently that's kind of got you excited or is just plain handy to know now?
1: What have I learned new? That's exciting. Oh my God, that is an interesting question. You know, I thought about that question and I'm trying to figure out what have I learned new? I think I take things sometimes for granted. I learn so much stuff every day. I I really do. So it's hard to lock one thing in my head that I've learned, honestly. I I tell you what I have been learning is how to do this electronic paperwork stuff. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. We yeah. used to get the deal memos all in paper. And you write in what you wanted and what you don't want. You know, now mm-hmm. you get everything electronically. You don't have space to write nothing.
0: <laughs>
1: how <they> want it. <laughs> I'm like, wait a minute. I can't, I can't say down here. No, you got to pay me for this. If, if you guys throw this in, there's no space to put yeah. that now. So, uh, you know, what I'm what I'm learning is really how to, you know, use technology more. So that's something that I'm kind of enjoying a little bit more in terms of how to use technology to make my job easier and to make my team's job easier. Yeah,
0: no, it's a it's a big it's, I mean, it's a big step. It's a big change that's been coming for a while. And it's just it's this whole paperless situation that's going on. So we're all I think we're all in the same boat learning learning
1: that one. (laughs) I tell you what though, man, it has definitely been a learning curve with it, you know, but it's just like anything else, you know, time changes. So we have to get on with it right mm. so in my mind we have to get on with
0: it speaking of just education and learning and things tell me a little bit about what you do as a teacher as a mentor well,
1: as as a mentor as a teacher I, I got really excited a, a, a few years back I actually set up my tv and film makeup academy
0: that's awesome
1: and, and I wanted to set up a makeup academy specific to television and film because, you know, we have places out here that teach makeup, but I wanted to do something that was geared towards people that really wanted to learn the inside out of the TV and film industry, uh, Of makeup artistry, Mm -hmm. right? So I started this academy to kind of talk to people and to speak in regards to what you and I were talking about earlier, really sharing knowledge with people, the real information that people generally don't tell you, you know, because they don't have time on jobs. You know, so I teach Mm -hmm. about the protocols and things of that nature and etiquette and, you know, the processes, industry processes and terminology and all that stuff that is required for you to be able to move in that world. You know, So, yeah, I do usually week long classes to share specifically for people that are coming into the industry. But it's also for people that are newer to the industry that yeah. want to learn things that will set them apart, you know, and help them grow uh, within the industry. And I'm always mentoring people. Listen, I'm one of those people like I will share with you whatever knowledge I have. If you just ask If you need to know something and you want to know something and you have the time and I have the time, I will share it with you. You know, so I felt the need to to start an academy because I get so many inquiries, you know, in my mm. DMs, from people getting my email address about how to get into TV and film makeup artistry and hair. I, yeah. I, I get yeah. inquiries about it all the time. I started the academy to kind of put everything all in one place and to, you know, to have a formal training of which. So yeah, education to me is, is really the key. I still learn. Every day I'm learning something new and it's great. And I don't ever want to stop learning. When I stop learning, it'll be when I'm dead. Yeah, totally.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Close the book on that. Done. Yeah. <laughs> How boring would that be? Oh my God. <laughs> so yeah,
1: look out for classes. Uh, I'm going to have some classes the last quarter of this year. And I have, hopefully we can put my TV and Film Makeup Academy uh, website on there and people can go in and look at you know, when the classes will be held, just look out.
0: Yeah, awesome. You know, between I love that
1: it. and my Instagram page, <laughs> Carol underscore
0: Rashid. I love it, lady. Um, but what I wanted to ask was a question that I ask everybody. Mm-hmm. If I have you in your trailer, you've got everything set up, you're about to start your day and I walk in and I take away one tool or product from you, what is going to stress you out? What am I going to take away from you that you're like, I can't work without that? What are you doing? My
1: palette paper. (laughs) 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 You're like, for the
0: love of God, don't take my palette paper.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Anything else you can have. My palette paper, I got to have it because I do all my mixing on that.
0: (laughs) I love it. I love
1: it. Oh, goodness. This has
0: been so that is awesome <laughs> and one person you'd love to hear on the podcast
1: you know what I've, has valley been on your podcast
0: no but she's lined up to uh to have a chat with me yeah so it's gonna it's gonna happen it's
1: gonna yeah happen. i think valley would be somebody very interesting and also robert stevenson i don't know he was like the first black male allowed into 706 union out there
0: does he do hair he does hair
1: He's retired now,
0: though. Oh, then he's got all the time in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Although I almost feel like when I retire, I'm going to be busier than when I'm working because I'm going to be like (laughs) catching up on all those things I wanted to do.
1: And it's so interesting because I've never met him, but someone that Mm -hmm. I mentored, actually, uh, Malika, she actually has uh, is friends with his family. But I've always thought that he had a very interesting story. Robert Stevenson, you know, I'd love to hear, you know, being the first African-American male to to be allowed into 706. So I don't know if it was him or either Bernadine Anderson, which was, she just recently died. She was the first African-American female to be allowed into 706. And she had a career, you know, in 1972. Uh, where she apprenticed at Warner brothers for like three years. So that kind of stuff I'm interested in hearing about.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know? Some history.
1: So okay. yeah.
0: Valley, Robert Stevenson. Amazing. <sighs>
1: um,
0: yes, Carol. It's been
1: brilliant. Thank you so My much. My Pleasure. Thank you for even thinking about me to be on your podcast. Um, I, I feel great about it. <laughs> awesome, My pleasure. Jamie Lee. you.
0: To see more about our guests Go to our Instagram At The Last Looks Podcast Or our website Thelastlookspodcast.com If you want to keep up With new episodes being released Be sure to subscribe Through Apple Podcasts Spotify Amazon Google Play YouTube Or any podcast streaming platform And remember If you're enjoying the show Share it The Last Looks Podcast Would like to thank Brett Stanley And Sabrina Castro The song Fun Time By DJ Quads Thanks for listening. Until next time.
1: That's a wrap, people.